Hey team, it's Matt Drinkon here. And you might have heard, my brand new book releases on Amazon on March 8th. It's been a labor of love that I think can really help you navigate some of the challenges you're experiencing in your own life. I go over toxic positivity and how to think you're in it for everyone else. In reality, you're in it for yourself. And I express that through this entire book and help learn from our own mistakes and how to turn the lens on ourselves and ask good questions. So go to Amazon on March 8th and you can get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. That's it for me. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this week's Eternal Optimist podcast. I'm your host, Matt Drinkon, and it's great to hear from you today, friends. I can feel you out there in the world listening to this podcast, and I want to share some energy with you. I'm sending it out to you, and I feel it coming back. So thank you for listening, and let's make this a great discussion today. Here's who's going to benefit from this. Anyone in a relationship or who wants to be in a relationship with a significant other or a married partner, anyone who has had trouble maintaining or staying in a relationship with someone significant to them. This is all about relationships. It's an amazing episode today. And I can tell you that this is an episode that got me into an emotional space, thinking about how I show up for my wife and show up for my kids. The people that I interview today are absolutely amazing, unique. Uh, I know them as marriage coaches. You know, Chris and Jamie Bailey are their names. Together, they run Expedition Marriage a marriage ministry helping couples thrive and learn to enjoy the journey of marriage. They're weekly hosts of the Expedition Marriage Podcast and authors of the Newlywed Couples Devotional. You can find them doing online therapy, speaking, leading marriage retreats, teaching seminars. They've been married for 27 years and they have three adult daughters. They enjoy spending time with their three precious grandkids and they have a passion for helping healthy couples continue to thrive and helping hurting couples find the fullness in God that they were meant to have. An amazing conversation today where they go through and chronicle some of the greatest challenges you can imagine of growing up in abusive homes, growing up in a place where they could not feel heard, growing up in a place on the other extreme where they were pleasing to the people around them. You know, And you take those two people that have challenges growing up and you put them together at a very specific time in their lives when they were meant to meet and this is where they were formed. This is where the bond began. And they came with their own challenges too. After that, they continued to have struggles. And today, they are a happily married couple who coaches and teaches in this space. They're amazing people. Our conversation goes far beyond just marriage. Uh, although if we stuck only in that place, you would get a lot of value from this one. I encourage you to open your antennas up high and listen and take some good notes here, my friends. Uh, I was, as I interview, Chris and Jamie Bailey. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Eternal Optimist Podcast, the show for optimists by optimists. This is the show for people who see the good in the world and want to make a positive difference in the lives of their families and communities. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories that will get you thinking bigger and playing more offense in life with your host and high-performance coach, Matt Drinkon. Fellow listeners, those of very important status who are listening today, and that's you, whoever's listening, thank you for being here today. And with that, I'd like to introduce and welcome our very special guest, Chris and Jamie Bailey, to the podcast. Welcome. Hey, thanks, thanks, thanks for having us. It is an absolute pleasure. I have heard right now only two episodes of your podcast, and that's all I needed to hear to know that you guys have real transformative conversations. You have huge hearts, and I'm a huge fan already. And I have subscribed, I've reviewed and rated. I'm now a fan. So for anyone out there, we've got some experienced podcasters making a difference in the world. So having that introduction, how does that feel to hear that, guys? That was yeah, a great introduction. Though. No, there's no pressure at all there to, to have our A game at this podcast, <laughs> which we already we appreciate you already reviewed and before that, so that's right. in there. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> now, with the audience, I want everyone to know that I have a little bit of a connection to Chris and Jamie. I know their daughter, Alicia, very well. She's amazing. She's been someone's been inspiring in my life for at least the last six to seven years. 
And when she offered the introduction to Chris and Jamie, I jumped at it because I'm such a fan of your daughter. In fact, let's start off the podcast by uh, providing some gratitude for Alicia. And those of you listening, then this might be an exercise to consider how you may add value to someone's life. Uh, I would like to uh, characterize your daughter in three words. These are the three words I would use. Amazing, insightful, in every way, brings me energy. That's what I would say. That's more than three words. That is her. You're going to make me cry right out of the gate there, Matt. (laughs) Oh, nice. That is great. She's a huge inspiration. Oh yeah, you know for us. And- <laughs> well, because she's such a go getter, and we're more planners and thinkers and stuff like that. She's really actually contributed a lot to what we do because she's like, no, you just all need to do this here. Just do this go. Check, and go. And then we're like, okay, we're able to follow that yeah. plan and take off and really get things accomplished that we had been chewing on for months or long. <laughs> yes, and rethinking and making better and all of that and double guessing. Alicia's like, no, it's great. Go. So she's she's a big reason behind everything that we have accomplished, even just being our daughter. Mm-hmm. It's just she's made us better. She has absolutely made us yeah. better. It's amazing how kids do that. They make us better. When we make the choice to step up to the plate, they make us better. You, you bring up something that happened yesterday that I journal about this morning. I've already shared with the first few client calls of the day, a real opportunity where old Matt from several years ago would have been Felt. And when the girls are in the car wanting a cookie before dinner and in our family, we don't eat cookies before dinner and we don't eat in daddy's car. And this caused a stir for about 58 minutes. It was all uh, just pandemonium. It was crying and whining and begging, negotiating, trying everything. And throughout this all, I am so grateful to be influenced by a number of strong people, Alicia being one, your podcast being one, the front row dads and all my friends there being another that I was able to be calm and cool the whole time. I didn't raise the voice. And I feel that when it comes to our marriage, when it comes to our parenting, that we've got to learn how to be aware of how we show up. And if we're showing up in a way that's not at our best, I think we owe it to our children, to our families, to figure out how to show up as our best. Well, we couldn't agree more. Well, lest my kids grow up and every time something is just a little bit off for them, it's not exactly the way that daddy wants it, they're going to get yelled at. And I don't want that for them. So that's the first place. I've heard it one time said that when you're dealing with kids, one of you has an adult brain and that person should be the one who uses it. Smart. Yeah. And if I'm the adult and I'm triggered and I'm like super emotional in the moment, how is that going to translate in my parenting style? And that's something we've intentionally worked on is that when I do get triggered and emotional in the moment to come back to how would Matt's ideal dad self show up, right? I might ask myself at the end of every day, did I do my best today to show up as a great dad? Did I do my best today to show up with quality time for Julie? Because that's really helped me to kind of hone in on what's most important. Yeah, great questions. Great. I'd love to um, love to put the spotlight on you guys and ask you some questions. And I've read the bio already, and our listeners can see it in the show notes. You have an amazing impact in the lives of people. And before we get to that, I'd love to go back to some of the challenging things that you may have experienced earlier on in your lives, in your marriage. I'll leave it to you to take us where you'd like to, team. But what's a challenge that you faced earlier on in your lives? that you either figured out or you're dealing with? Yeah, well, I think we have very different backgrounds and we have very different stories. And the way they collided, like all the Mm -hmm. mess we brought into our relationship, it served a very beneficial purpose because we met these needs that we each had from our brokenness. But then that doesn't last. Eventually, those broken places become evident and they get highlighted. And we realize, you know what? He was never meant to meet all of my needs and I'm not meant to meet his. And so it was kind of our mess that brought us together. And then through the years, we've worked and grown on that. And, you know, for me, I know you've heard my story with Alicia on one of our podcasts. I come from a very dysfunctional family where, you know, my parents divorced when I was two. I did see my dad. My mom had gotten remarried. She'd been married three times and was with my stepfather was an abusive, angry alcoholic. And my mom did not know how to face problems. My mom was a runner. My mom was an avoider, and it left me as a child very vulnerable to a whole lot of chaos, a whole lot of abuse and dysfunction, which in turn led me into a marriage. 
I got pregnant as a teenager with Alicia, this wonderful human being we've been talking about. She was my biggest catalyst to change Mm -hmm. because I repeated that my family patterns. And I think if you ask me my biggest challenge in life, it would be changing the legacy in my family. It would be facing head on all the strongholds, all the things that past generations of my family were never brave enough to face. And so I took that role on. And, you know, you talk about showing up for your kids. And Matt, that's so admirable because Mm -hmm. everything you're not willing to do, everything you're not willing to change, you are serving it up to your children to have to do that work. Yeah. We refer to it almost like eating family style. Whatever you leave on the plate, you're leaving for your kids to have to to clean up. Yeah. And it's such a gift. And when I had Alicia, I was in this physically abusive, domestic violent marriage. And it was just horrible. And for myself, that's what I knew my whole life. And so it became like a twisted normal. And it was kind of where my self-esteem was, where my self-worth was. It's like, this is just life. I hadn't seen anything else. But I had Alicia. And there was an instance where my ex-husband, he was angry and he kicked our dog. And when he did that, it was like it flipped a switch in my head that if he would do that to a dog, he would do that to my child. And that's when like everything in me, that fire got lit in my belly that no way, it stops here, everything changes. And I left and I actually went to court and sent him to prison which was really challenging to do that, to face this person who scares you. But for Alicia, it was so worth it. What's crazy (laughs) is I had separated from my husband like three weeks and I went out with a girlfriend to a karaoke bar and that's where I met this guy. (laughs) And so so I was in a horrible position. I mean, if you think about that, yeah, I was 21 at a bar, newly separated. I'm a single mom now. Great time to meet a new man, fresh out of a violent situation into him. But you know what? He was singing Billy Joel. And (laughs) there you have it. Hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, that was it. Which which song is singing? Which Billy Joel song? Honesty. Wow. So love it first. It just it captures you instantly, Jamie. It was. It was. I, I think what actually what caught her love at first sight was when I sat at her table and started eating her French fries. <laughs> that's probably what really got it. Yeah, that's what did it. <laughs> Whoa. So the music got you. And then, Chris, you just went over there and just started eating the French fries. Wow. Yeah. So I wasn't looking, I was not looking to meet anybody or anything like that at all, you know, and I had so much work to do clearly, but I had no idea how much at that time we met. And then we proceeded to do absolutely everything wrong. wrong. We met, we were like together every day. We moved in together after about five months of knowing each other, just messed everything up. Mm -hmm. And just like, it was a struggle, but he came in, he's such a fun, nice, positive guy. And I just wanted more and more. And that's where like he grew up and I'll let him share, Mm -hmm. you know, learning how to please be the people pleaser, be the guy who makes everything better. And that was exactly what I needed. But him, that's where it worked out in the beginning, but through time, Mm -hmm. that's exhausting for him. And it was never enough for me. And that stuff started revealing. And that's when like we had to dig deep and do, Mm -hmm. do some work. And it's inauthentic too. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. because when we did meet, grew up youngest of five children. So probably learned a lot of how to appease (laughs) and please people (laughs) through that. But so, yeah, with Jamie's needs and I was able to be knight in shining armor, right? Mm-hmm. You know, to come riding in and And, and he could sing. And I could sing. <laughs> and, right. you know, and got all this attention from her. And I was loved the attention from her. And I was loved to be able to be, to, on to be on the pedestal and to fulfill that. But over time, that pedestal gets smaller and taller. And then it's almost, it's, I wish we were joking about this yesterday. It's almost like a bad scene from an Indiana Jones movie. You know, just <laughs> the spikes start flying out, and, you know, just, you just try You're to, always trying to step on the right stone yeah. and do all the things. And it's and then, exhausting. Then eventually that big boulder comes at you. <laughs> but it is, I'm not made to carry that line. You complete me. And all that. it's just, it's so horrible. Mm-hmm. It, it's a cause of so much damage. We're actually supposed to help each other grow. Mm-hmm. I, I had one client who mentioned that someone had said marriage is hard. And I realized it's not that marriage is hard. It's the growth it demands in me. Mm-hmm. That's what's hard. Yes, that's good. And that was a challenge for me, right? Being that pleaser, being, I was very passive. 
in the marriage, which at first kind of worked, but then eventually, like Jamie said, it started to work against us. Mm-hmm. Right. I wouldn't make decisions. I didn't want to make the wrong decision. And so then that wears that respect. Mm-hmm. Just make a decision, make a choice. Why can't you lead? And then started realizing, why are you so afraid of me? Mm-hmm. You treat me like I'm some sort of ogre. You're not honest with me. You say things to make sure that you appease me, but that aren't necessarily the truth. You're not disclosing things with me. I only find out things once I push you and then I discover it. Mm-hmm. And so it really wears that trust and being able to, how do I know what you're telling me now is the truth? And I'm not going to find out later that you really feel a different way. Well, so those are some of the, Tony Robbins says, success leads clues. Those are some of the breadcrumbs on the way to success. And you just shared, Chris, that we're supposed to help each other grow, that marriage isn't hard. It's learning how to grow to be the person that you need to be. So I wonder, in this journey, Jamie shared, changing the legacy in your family has been the challenge or the opportunity. And Chris, you're sharing that the, the opportunity is in learning to grow together. So... Can you take us on a little bit of a timeline of some of the bumps, some of the little molehills or mountains that have gotten to this place today where you're a happily married couple who are able to be in each other's presence? And I can see them, team. You'll see this on the YouTube channel at some point, but I can see them. And this is very obvious that they are in love. You can't fake what I'm looking at right now, especially by the way, Chris has amazing hair. Uh, I would say Jamie has amazing hair, but I don't want to. I don't want Chris to think I'm hitting on him either. You both have amazing hair. Take us through some of the molehills or the mountains in this journey of growth together from the start of your marriage, please. Well, for me, I can say everything hit the fan for me a lot faster than it did for him because, like, he was meeting a lot of my needs, and because he was still in that mode he was a very safe person for me. I came from chaos and yelling and screaming, and I came from everything that was the complete opposite of who he was. And so his presence, you know, and I think God really used him in my life. (laughs) Very patient. Yes, to do most of the healing Mm -hmm. because I could lose myself a little bit. You know, I went through a very angry stage. I didn't have good self-control. I would yell at him a lot. I was the yelling mom and wife, and I was very reactive. I was rarely responsive and almost always reactive. And so I was on high emotion all the time. And because he was still kind of in his... We call it passion in our Yes, he calls it passion. Passion. (laughs) (laughs) But because he was still in that place, that mode of pleasing, that actually worked for me because it was a safe place for me to fall. And so having that, that's when things started. That's where I was challenged to really change who I was and knowing, because if I would yell at him or yell at the kids or be highly anxious, I would see all of that on the backdrop of his kindness and his calm. And it almost highlighted the fact that, wow, I got some work to do here because compared to him, I wanted to bring to the table what he was displaying. And so then my choice was, do I keep barreling over my husband or do I learn to change? And that's when I started going back in my life. I had to face a lot of neglect and abandonment and rejection and abuse and all of that stuff. And it brought up really serious anxiety in my life. And so I began to battle. I spent almost three years of my life trapped in my home because I had anxiety so severely. And, you know, there was this one point I was going to therapy and I'm on the treadmill and all of a sudden I'm just booking it. I am running, running, and I am sobbing. And he's kind of like, I do not know what's happening, but I'm going <laughs> to stand right here. Try not to move. <laughs> yes. And it was very much like a breaking free moment. Like I felt trapped my whole life. And I'm like, I have the ability to run. I have the ability to fight. I have the ability to barrel through all of this stuff. And that was like a turning point in my life. And that's when in the middle of all the anxiety, what I knew and what I discovered that changed my life was the most. And this is like, I had heard it and it was a mantra I kind of just grabbed a hold of and it was a do it afraid, do it afraid. I was held captive and so afraid to face all of these things, even going out of my house, just my world kept getting smaller and smaller. But then I just kept telling myself, do it afraid, do it afraid. I could not wait for my feelings to change first. 
I had to develop this mindset of empowerment and going, you know what? I can do hard things. Mm. I've always had to like cower and resist and change to make things safe. But now I'm like, I will do things afraid. And I've been doing it ever since. And that's Mm -hmm. probably been 28 years ago. Very tenacious. Yeah, I'm very tenacious. And that part of me was always silenced. And I felt a lot growing up, there was a lot of rejection there. And I was always a bother. And if I had a need, it was like, Jamie, just go away. And there was so much rejection there. And anything that would happen in the family, I was the loud voice to try to stop it. And I realized, and this was just this year, that it wasn't a rejection of me. It was a rejection of my tenacity. It was a rejection of I wanted to fix problems. I wanted to call out what was wrong. I wanted to Mm -hmm. overcome it. And nobody in my family did. And so they tried to silence me. So my whole life, it was like, they rejected me. What was wrong with me? And it's like, no, they rejected the best trait I have. And that was my tenacity. Wow. So I'm taking some notes over here. I feel like I'm learning and soaking some of this in, Jamie. And one of the things you just shared, do it afraid. And you were told no or not now. And for years, silenced and made to feel unimportant and got the courage to do it afraid. And you were this person. You would sometimes break down and yell and, oh, pardon me, show high passion toward Chris. And in this high passion, so Chris, I'll turn the microphone back to you and ask you, in this first period of your marriage, when you're pleasing and you're being patient, I mean, how did you deal with and navigate this first part? Not well. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're right, just being the mere mortals, we run out. We, there's only so much we're able to carry, so much we're able to do. And that it was very hypervigilant to try to stay a step or two ahead of everything. How can I please my way to keep from bad things happening? And so I would be that Please or be passive or struggle with this idea of being either passive or a big jerk, right? So not really being able to find a, a <laughs> Passive or passive aggressive. Yeah, I guess I so. that's... Well, you know, because that's, that's the struggle because I would see, okay, I'm not able to meet these needs that I've set myself up in this position and I'm getting this, her big emotions were more than I knew how to handle. And so that her freaking out would freak me out. And so we'd have this cycle that we go through and then I would just kind of work to keep from her freaking out. You know, So if I could just keep convince her everything's okay and keep her calm, then I wouldn't get freaked out. But that's where a lot of my growth came from is I needed to learn how to deal with my own emotions. I needed to learn that her emotions didn't have to dictate my emotional state. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have to be scared every time she had big emotions because the better I was able to deal with my own emotional state. And then when she would be upset, get escalated because of something and, or maybe even just be frustrated. That's Mm -hmm. actually one of the kind of funny things. She might just get frustrated at something like the computer. And then I'm thinking she's all angry at me and all that versus just, She's frustrated because the computer's not working. And this is still Mm -hmm. in the day of dial-up, all right? So it (laughs) it never worked. So it wasn't me. And then I realized, hey, you know what? When I know it's not me, I can actually step into this and Mm -hmm. I can actually be a a resource instead of pulling away in fear. Jamie said something really great to me one time. She said, honey, you got to stop being scared of me. (laughs) Uh, You know, if you say something that upsets me, I'm a big girl. I'll get over it. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was really helpful. I learned that there was something called boundaries and I started <laughs> to learn how to properly apply them and realized where I ended and where Jamie began. Yeah. And although we're two people that are, are going in this journey becoming one, there's still we're two people. And so her emotional state doesn't dictate mine. Her being upset doesn't mean that we're falling apart and that I can learn to be a support and still actually enter into the situation better than I was before. Mm-hmm by not trying to appease it, but trying to deal with what we're really dealing with, deal with reality instead of like, well, let's just keep everybody calm and happy and just kick this problem down. Well, in this place that you learned about you and you were learning how to deal with your, identify and deal with your emotions and how to support Jamie and be authentic to yourself. If you could take us back to that day on the treadmill when it feels like something shifted that day, what was your experience on that day, Chris? 
Well, Jamie was saying when she was going through, I didn't know what to do. I mean, there was a little deer in the headlight. Yeah. And that's actually very common. We see that a lot where just this helplessness, this not knowing what to do. So unfortunately we tend to do nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. As, and that's the wrong thing to do instead of trying to enter in and oppress in and everything doesn't need to be like instantly jumped on and we can ease into certain things. But so that was where Jamie wants I allowed her to have her emotions. I allowed her mm-hmm. to, to have that time. I didn't rush to get her tissues mm-hmm. or tell her they're there. You don't need to cry or anything mm-hmm. like that and try to stop it. Let those emotions, her have her emotions, let her know, you know what? You can have your emotions and be around me. I'm not going to be quick to stop you. I'm not going to be quick to tell you you can't show those emotions. And then once she was done, I wanted to find out, okay, what's going on? What? How can I be part of this experience with you? Yeah, and it was. And it led to such a great insight for me because one of the things that used to happen to me when I was a child is if I would be in trouble for something, I don't even remember things <laughs> that I would be in trouble for, but my family had had enough of me. And my mom would empty my room of all of my belongings like my clothes, my dressers, my bed, everything out and just like strip me down and put me in my bedroom and barricade all my furniture against my door. And so I would remember being like eight years old, just like running around, just freaking out in a sheer panic. And that was kind of how I was living my life with that anxiety. And so as I was running, I'm like, it's me busting down the door. It's me going, never again will I live in that little room trapped because I am not that eight-year-old anymore. I have more choices I can make. I have more strength I'm pulling from. And I have a man here who has proven himself steadfast and calm and somebody who will stand by my side. And so that was like the real moment for me. And that was what, you know, our conversation was about after I got off. I'm like, it was the room. I'm not going to be in that room anymore. And that was it. That was a big shift for me in that moment. And having him to come to was huge. But I needed him, like he's saying, to allow me to have my feelings. Because typically, I need freedom to be mad, to cry, to be upset, to feel passionate about something. And I can't live my life worrying about how I'm feeling because he can't handle it. And so him to go, you know what? His gift to me was saying, you feel however you need to, and I'm going to be right here. I'm going to allow you to have all those big feelings, even though it kind of scares the crap out of me. (laughs) I'm going to stay around and I'm in this with you. Any problem of yours, I'm making it a problem of mine and we will do it together. And that was like the first time. I love the way that you do this because this is such a hard thing. I feel a lot of my male friends, for me, it's been challenging for so many years. And when Julie has said to me over time, I just want you to let me feel my feelings. And sometimes I'm such in a fix-it mode and solve the problem mode and get back to positive mode, like that emotion in that movie that came out recently. It was a Disney movie where all these emotions... Inside out. Yeah, that are playing the different characters in the control center of the brain inside out. The one that's positive is the way that I was programmed for so long until I finally understood that there's a place for the whole range of emotions, Matt. So yes, Chris learned this early on in the marriage. I'm eight years in, probably heard it, but didn't learn it for several of those years. So I think you're spot on exactly what our audience needs to hear and what we all, as men, as married couples, as any woman or any partner who feels they are in that room and they want to get out. You've shared so much wisdom so far. I'd love to continue to move the conversation to the exciting future because I know you're having a major impact on the lives out there. I've heard some of the words you've shared today, oddly enough. I've heard some of those words word for word from your daughter's mouth. I've heard her literally say the words before, I can do hard things, right? So I think about the impact you have out there and I love to spotlight and shout on top of a mountain. What is the exciting place that you're leading people that you're going right now with your lives team? Well, I think we've entered our 50s. We've raised our kids and we've done that. You enter your every decade kind of changes, it has a new driving force behind it. The 20s, you're married and we're dreaming, and this is what things you're chasing big things. Life hasn't hit you down so much yet. You, yeah, you really believe, be <laughs> yes, I can actually accomplish all this. The 30s, 
you're starting to realize, you know what, I got to work a little bit harder. They're like very industrious years where you're taking all those dreams and you're putting your feet to the fire working for them. And, you know, and you hit your forties and it becomes, it shifts again and then fifties. And we're now in that stage of, we want to pour into other people. We're about investing. Mm -hmm. You hear about, you know, standing on the shoulder of the giants before us. We're like entering the giant phase. So where we want to move forward is continuing. We had our one-on-one practice, our private practice. We would see couples and we started off seeing individuals. And what we realized is every individual coming before us came from a broken home. It's the breakdown of the family that is causing all of the issues, not all, but but a large majority. It definitely influences it in a bad way. Yes. As parents, we are so highly influential. And that's where we're talking about you making changes and all that. Matt, man, you're Mm. changing the legacy. You're changing generations that you will never even see. You won't even be alive and around to see the difference your choices are making today. And we firmly believe that. And that's where we made the shift. We're like, we're going to start doing marriages. We're going to focus on marriages. And then it became, we're busy around the clock, one couple every hour, (laughs) one at a time. And that's when we shifted and went to Expedition Marriage. And we went online. And it's like, we just wanted to cast a wider net because it's so much better if you can be proactive. We were putting out a lot of fires but we wanted to get to a place where we want to prevent the fires. Mm-hmm. We want to prevent things. And so that's what we use our platform for so much is educating and advocating and doing all equipping. that we need to yeah. equipping. Yeah. A lot of encouragement. And every time that I meet with a new couple that I'm coaching with and all that, I tell them my job is to work myself out of a job mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. laugh. And it's like, no, I'm serious. Yeah. It's the job isn't for this, for you to be dependent on it. I want to equip. I want to encourage. Mm-hmm. I want you all to have skills, see new ways to interact with your patterns, have new dances. So that way you can do things better and be working mm-hmm. in the direction that want, that you want to get there, right? Have develop mm-hmm. better habit that connect and grow you and see things for what they are. And so in that idea, that respect, I don't want them to be hanging around too long. And so we do push people to the We pod- love you, but we, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, push people to the podcast, push people to the, our Instagram, push people to our course or books, that kind of stuff. So that way they can be able to continue to grow. I, I joke about homework. The more you do without me, the less you have to do with me. I say me because Jamie doesn't make these bad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Today's sponsor of the Eternal Optimist podcast is Compound Interest. It's that topic that you hear about maybe in your 20s and you're wondering, yeah, I'm young. I got time. I'll start doing it later. You start doing it or thinking about it at least in your 30s, and then you'll start doing it at some point. In your 40s, you're really thinking about it, especially if you've done it, you're feeling the benefits of it. Compound Interest is an amazing phenomenon. And it not only applies to money and finance, it also applies to your marriage to build a thriving marriage? How are you doing the daily things that matter to build up the compound interest of a thriving marriage? You can do it every single day. How are you investing 10 minutes every day into quality time, into listening, into paying attention to the things that your loved one is saying each and every day? Consider that, friends, the power of compound interest in your marriage. Today's sponsor, the Eternal Optimist podcast. Well, so we look at this place where you're serving marriages, you were serving individuals, and then you moved it to marriages, and now you're scaling it and serving people, more people, casting more than that and serving more at a time. I'm not asking for the names of anyone, but I'm asking, can you share with us a story, a couple that's been particularly meaningful to you that helps to serve that why, that helps to give you that fuel and feel that, man, this is so worth it for this. Well, we get a lot of, so many. of email, even those whom we don't necessarily meet, who just mm-hmm. have been following us on Instagram or listening to the podcast. And we'd also would love it if they were to put some of that on the reviews too. But hearing feedback from that, I'll let Jamie, because Jamie handles more of that. As far as any of the couples, I was thinking there was just one couple that I've been meeting with that I loved it because the dad says, look, I want to make sure that I'm the father that models what being a dad is to my mm-hmm. kids or to my son sees, this is how you be a husband. Mm-hmm. And that my daughter says, okay, this is the kind of husband that I want to be looking for mm-hmm. and wanting to find. 
that's the thing that goes, mm, that's why we keep doing what we're doing is not necessarily for the couple. Absolutely. We're for marriages. We want to keep them to be strong. We don't want them just to be this mediocre, pale image of what a marriage should be. We want them to thrive. We want them to be mm -hmm. filled with our taglines, enjoy the journey. We want it to be mm -hmm. filled with joy. We want them to in love and for there to be growth along the way, no matter what mm -hmm. life brings, because life is going to bring it. But people also don't get how much what we model matters to our kids. Right. That saying about raising up a kid in the way they should go. There's a reason we don't throw them out in the backyard with the chickens and the goats, right? We've got to equip them all along in all ways. And what we're doing is the best way to equip them. Yeah. And I think some of my favorite moments, because there's so many common moments that couples share, mm -hmm. you know, amongst the stories. And one of them is when couples realize they don't understand how self-protective they live. Oh. And when they make that transition to realizing what they're doing is just not against my spouse. Mm. It's just to, I'm afraid and it's to protect me. Yeah. And when they flip that mentality and go to a more mindset of, wow, we want the same things. Mm -hmm. We're on the same team. And what couples miss, so many of them miss that their spouse is meant to be next to God in our, in our belief. Your biggest resource is your spouse. Yeah. And they quit using each other as a resource and they mm. quit leaning in towards problems. They fight one another instead of linking arms and fighting the issues. Mm. And so when they switch from being self-protective to team-focused minded and to move forward and go, okay, let's see things for what they really are because we've made up a whole lot of self-protective stuff in our heads. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so just helping couples and seeing them transition from enemies who could barely hold a conversation to like warriors to mm. like we're battle mm -hmm. buddies battle now buddies, yeah. and that's an amazing thing and seeing that over and over is again and then seeing also this is a little darker side of it but as somebody who grew up in abuse and suffered an abusive marriage we love getting messages and hearing from wives who have finally said I've left. Yeah. I've taken my kids and I'm leaving. I've gotten safe and I've gotten out. So helping women find the courage to no longer tolerate abuse, that's a gift as well because that may not be saving that particular marriage, but it's actively saving the ones their children are going to have because mm. they now don't have a horrible image of what marriage is supposed to look like. And so those keep us in the game as well. Yeah. It makes me wonder about a particular type of story. It might be one that I may have heard of frequently around, let's just say money, for example. People say money is a challenge in marriages. And I wonder if you've got two people that are married who are not on the same team. They're not battle buddies yet. They're not warriors together yet. They're battling each other. How might that conversation start with them and getting them on the same team? Well, from that, because it's not about the money, what we're arguing about is never the problem. Yeah, very rarely. It's what's rooted underneath it. And so mm -hmm. when you're arguing about money, it's probably because one's maybe a spender or the other's a saver and things like that. But when you get down below it and go, why is this important to you? You know, we had a couple who fought like crazy. One of their biggest things, we took them through an exercise, and it was that his wife got Starbucks every day. And you think that's about money. You're spending too much money. As we broke it down and he was able to share, it scares me because I, I'm worried that we're not going to keep up being able to pay for our son's karate every month. Change is everything. Mm -hmm. She can't get on board with you're not allowed to buy a $5 coffee, but she can get on board with, of course, I want my son to be able to play, do his mm -hmm. karate. And so you've got to get below. And it's like, what does money mean to you? Does it mean status? Does it mean security? Yes. Is it your safety net? Is it enjoyment? Right. Is it pleasure? And those are mm -hmm. the things that when you're arguing about that, you're scared. That kind of core value is being attacked. And so when you talk about that, I can get on board with you wanting to provide extracurricular activities. I can get on board with you wanting to have enough money to provide for a future for us. I can get on board with you wanting to experience life and we need to let go a little bit and go take a vacation. Yeah. That it's not that we can't hold on to it until we get old and may not be able to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let's use some of these fun coupons now. Yeah. So it's what the thing is about, what's beneath whatever it is you're arguing about is that's where your solution is. Mm -hmm. Amazing. 
I saw that little look right there, Chris. That was great. You and Jamie, I feel like I'm in the presence of, of love and happiness. Again, you're great at what you do because I'm feeling it. And I think that's what we want. And we want to model it for two people that are modeling it right in front of me. And when I say modeling it, I mean, yes, the two of you have great hair, but I mean modeling just this body language, this aura of love and care and support of each other for someone who, from our angle, is the expert or is teaching, who's gone through their own bruises, their own challenges to get here. How do you keep it strong at this high level? Intentionality. Yeah. yeah. Because we actually even have an episode that we talked about that we like it was birthed by us sitting on the beach and we're just <laughs> in the middle of the day, we're sitting on the beach and we're looking at each other and going, wow. How, how did, did we get here? How, get how here? is life so great? Yeah. And it's because we were intentional. We were <laughs> invested. The law of sowing and reaping. We were willing to sow into our marriage. We we're able to build in it because look, that's the thing with reaping. It doesn't come right away. The harvest isn't always immediate. In fact, it's rarely immediate. But whatever you're sowing, you're going to get more of than mm -hmm. what you put in the ground. So if you're sowing the wrong thing, the harvest is going to, to produce mm -hmm. something that you're not wanting. And so you got to be intentional. What it is that we're putting in? What is it that we're on a daily kind of thing? What habits yeah. are we doing? We've, we've shared this before, this research, that couples who say good morning to each other on a regular basis live an average of five years longer than couples who don't. So it doesn't have to be this mind-blowing, earth-shattering breakthrough stuff. It really is the consistent little things mm -hmm. that add up over time and really make the big impacts. Yeah. And I think when this is something we tell couples all the time, it's not the problems you have that are going to take out your marriage. It's what you choose to do with them. Do you let them, the average couple waits an average of six years in a miserable marriage before they look for help. And we've had all kinds of, we've had tragedies, we've had our past, we've had circumstances that have been really hard. And those things are difficult, but it's more about what we do with them what we do despite them yeah. that matters. And we are a couple that chose a long time ago, we're going to fix whatever comes our way. We're going to deal with it. There's nothing going to get swept under the rug here. We're not you know, stepping Some over Some of us things. are more skilled at that than yeah. others. <laughs> that's right. I'm still a growth area for me. <laughs> that's right. But that's the thing. Like He's always going to be allowed to have growth areas. And I always want to be a resource for him and this and the other way around. And so it's knowing this is hard. And we let, you know, I go through life with kind of like three phases I allow for myself, a time to work, a time to step up and do the work and head first going in a time to rest, which, you know what, I'm going to give myself a break from work. I'm not going to work. We encourage couples all the time. Don't just let everything be yeah. about counseling and fixing and problems. Always working on the relationship. Always working on the relationship. No, have fun. Yeah. So take a break. Take some rest. Have fun. Take time off from working and game. striving. And then there's also a time to feel. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just get to be mad, to grieve, to be stressed, to be filled with a little bit of dread or fear. And it's normal. It's normal to be afraid. It's normal to feel defeated. But that's the stuff also, mm -hmm. like we tell our own personal story a lot because that's what's relatable. And if we're all just strength and it's all, we look like this power dynamic couple that never faces problems, that's admirable. But people look at us and go, that's just you. But if we share our weaknesses, now we're relatable. Yeah. Now people go, okay, so I can do it. So you struggle and you overcome, you struggled, you've had all this stuff and you're happy and filled with joy and having a good time and having hard times. I can do that. I can do that. One thing that Jamie was saying, and it reminds me, because you mentioned like the fix it mode, which a lot of guys mm -hmm. get into this idea of fix it mode, but you know, the time to feel. And so Jamie can keep coming to me and that's something I've learned over time and worked to get better at that. Because at first she would come to me with her feelings and I would try to fix them. And so I'm not giving her time to feel. And all like, my feelings aren't broke. But, you know, try to, to, to fix it. But what I realized, okay, what she's not looking for, she's not actually needing me mm -hmm. to fix it. She's wanting me to be there with her. And then I realized, you know what? Every time I try to jump in and tell her, oh, well, you just need to do this, or here's how you not, how you won't feel that way, or to try to cut it short. And the tenant message is, how you feel 
is not okay, or at the very least, it's not okay for you to come to me with those feelings. Mm -hmm. And I'm tired of you coming to me with that. And Mm -hmm. you know what? You just need to go someplace else with that if you're going to have those feelings. Yeah, if you're not going to fix this and put it to rest, then I don't know what to do. Versus being someone who's willing to bear that burden with her, Mm -hmm. to sit in those feelings with her, and to be Mm -hmm. there to be a resource so she knows she's not in it alone. We're a team. I've got her back. And I'm not trying to just to fix it now. She tells me, okay, so now I felt I had these feelings. Now I want some help with Mm -hmm. it. Absolutely. Then jump in. But if not, that's where I can just, that is Mm -hmm. very hard work. I just want to do something. Well, do that. Yeah. Well, I think if men are going to talk about their feelings, if they're going to share that, it's because they've exhausted all of their efforts and they are looking for a solution. (laughs) The powwow. I've done all this. So now I'm going to talk about it to see if you have anything. Women don't work that way and not to burst your bubble or anything, but most of the stuff I come to you with my feelings about, I already know what to do. I already know what to do. I just need to process the feelings that come with it so I can get to a place where I can go ahead and do the things I know I need to do. I know what I need to do. I'm just a little mad about it. No, helpless woman need man help. (laughs) Somewhere, if my wife is around, I'm sure she's like nodding right now. Like, come on, (laughs) I get it. So yes, very relatable. Well, let's, so let's imagine for a second. And let's just say that I'm someone that I go to work every day. I come home. My marriage is just so, it's okay. I'm a little bit empty in the tank. I maybe don't give the most effort because I was out earning for the family and I want to do something. I just don't know what to do. What advice might you give that man or woman that feels like they want to make the change? They feel things are okay. They're not sure how or what to do next. You know, it's really funny, Matt, because we actually designed a course around that, (laughs) that exact thing. And it's called Mm -hmm. the Restoring Connection course. And it Mm -hmm. really, it's designed for just to restore that connection, to get to talking again, to Mm -hmm. develop that same team mentality. different points Mm -hmm. of connection to be able to make that connection stronger. Yeah. Harder to pull apart when things start to get shaky. Yeah. And it's, it's 10 minutes a day. You know, it's a four week thing. We have 10 minute or so video every four weeks and discussion questions every day. One question. They're fun. Every week has a different focus and a lot of them are fun. And it's like, you can be married for 30 years and we have given you questions that you may not have any idea about your spouse. In fact, that's some of the feedback we've gotten. Yes. We've been married 30 years and I just learned something new about my spouse. Yes. And when something is fun, we're more likely to repeat it. When you start sitting down over a cup of coffee, sitting on the porch, getting up in the morning and, and having dialogue that's fulfilling and that allows you to be heard and understood and to laugh and share, you want to get up and do that again the next morning. And and so doing that for like a month straight, it's a four-week plan, a four-week challenge. And so there are a lot of couples out there that are like that. But And we're not saying go run out and get the course, but you sure can if you want to. But you should. (laughs) Yeah. But just knowing this is not rocket science. This is 10 minutes a day and talk to your spouse. Get off work and come home and let's go for a walk together. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that deep, just Mm -hmm. intentional moments spent together. Well, we could put it this way. Could you dedicate 1% of your time a week towards working on your marriage? And most people will agree. Okay, I can dedicate. Well, we're not asking for 1% of it. We're asking for less. We're asking for 70 minutes because 1% Mm -hmm. was almost an hour and a half. Right. So we're asking for less than we're asking for a little over an hour for you to dedicate to your marriage. Mm -hmm. Very doable. That's amazing perspective from both of you. And I'm so glad there's an actual course that our listeners can go and take. And believe me, team, we didn't set it up to just say that out loud. It is something that you feel, man, I want to check that out. This could help me on my journey that I encourage you to go and check out this course. And I'd love to ask team, how might we find out more about you? Yeah, everything is on all of our links are on our website, which is expeditionmarriage.org. We show up the most on Instagram and you'll see this guy, you'll see all his joy and happiness on the reels that he he produces. Yes. And so he's a lot of fun. You'll see Which by the way, I admire your shirt. Oh, look at you Hawaiian (laughs) shirt buddies for those of you who can't see. That's right. And 
we have a book out there. We have a couple's devotional out there. We have another one that we're currently working on. That's a special project. But we have courses and we also do the one-on-one counseling as well and coaching. Mm -hmm. But we also do weekend intensive. We do reboots. And so couples who want to skip six months of counseling and just, you come to our house. When we have our house, we're building. It'll be in October. You come to our house and spend the entire weekend with us and we will roll up our sleeves and get your marriage back on track. And so your marriage is purposeful. It's meant to be fun. You're going to have struggles and roadblocks and all of that. But overall, you really are meant to enjoy the journey. Mm -hmm. And so just be willing to fix what's broken and do preventative work. And we provide all kinds of resources for every stage of marriage, whether you're got one foot out the door or you're brand new married or you're just premarital, you just want Mm -hmm. enrichment. So we've got it all, but most of it's at our website, expeditionmarriage.org. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. You can maybe see in the background that my three-year-old just arrived home. So the announcement has been made. She will soon be over here. But before we wrap things up, I just want to say thank you so much for being with us today, team. Truly an honor and a joy to be around. Just to be in your presence today has made me real happy and it made me feel inspired that my marriage can continue to grow and evolve as can I. And I'd like to ask one last question. Jamie, this question is for you. If Chris were to go and sing any karaoke song, if you could put him on the spot to sing, let's say 10 seconds of any song to close out our show, what song would you want him to sing 10 seconds from? Oh, the song that he first sang to me, we were floating down a river in a tube in Florida, and it was always in forever. Okay, Chris, would you care to uh, tee it up for us here? Yeah, <laughs> I would have rather done honesty, but that's okay. If that, it's that's your too choice. hard right here. Always and forever, each moment with you is just like a dream to me. That somehow came true. Yay. See? See? Now you get it. Now it makes sense. (laughs) See? Now you'd probably want to share your fries with me too now. Yeah. And uh, team, you can also get the Chris Bailey album at their website. Uh, uh, Maybe. I'm not sure if that's real or not. But you can check them out in the show notes. All the links will be there. Uh, Thanks so much, guys, for being with us today. Much appreciation and love to you, my friends. Thanks, Much love to you. Thanks so much, Matt. Really appreciate it. It was fun. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Optimist podcast. You can check the show notes for information about today's episode. And please share the show with that friend who is wanting to think bigger. We'll see you next time.